Welcome to Barn Bender with Cowboy Andy, the podcast for children's musicians by a children's musician. Today I'm joined by uh, my, my friend Gus. Hey Gus, how you doing? Good. Oh, that's very good. Hey Gus, check this out. I'm going to become a ventriloquist. Do you know what a ventriloquist is? Yeah, isn't it like um, a puppet? Uh, kind of like a puppet, yes, but it's a puppet that talks. You want to see? Look, we'll see what I have here. I have crafted, just for you, just now, this very special puppet. It is Mr. Folded Postcardian. I call him Mr. Postcard. You want to say hello to Mr. Postcard? Say hi, Mr. Postcard. Oh, that's brilliant, right? So, and Mr. Postcard says, Hello. How are you doing, young sir? Good. Oh, you're doing good? Yes. My cowboy Andy isn't here. He's violently ill with a stomach flu. No, I'm not. I'm just fine. I'm right here. Shut up, you! I'm Mr. Postcard, and I'm taking over your podcast. No, you can't do that. Yes, you can. Rah! Yeah, so uh, clearly I have no idea how this works. Do I? Mm, no. Thanks for your vote of confidence. But you know who does know how this works? Who? Val Smalkin. She's a professional ventriculist. She's very cool. I had a really great conversation with her all about um, being a ventriloquist, what that means, how you do it, tips and tricks, that sorts of thing. So, Gus, do you think we should talk to Val about being a ventriloquist? Sure. Sure? Sure. Okay. Is there anything you want to say to Mr. Postcard before we get rid of him? I like you, Mr. Postman. Well, I like you, too. And I'm very glad that Cowboy Andy has the stomach flu and isn't on this podcast anymore. <laughs> See, I'm not very good at that because my whole lips are moving. What we should do now, we should tune into this conversation I had with Val, okay? All right. Okay, you want to say goodbye? Bye. Goodbye. Good morning, Val. Welcome to the barn. Well, thank you. It's very nice to be here in this lovely <laughs> red barn. Yes. The virtual red barn... That embraces us all. Yes. So uh, I was very interested in talking to you for a couple of reasons. First, you do something that I I think is really, uh, as a performer, uh, is really interesting and neat and something that I've always kind of wanted to try and do, but I I don't even know how to begin. And that is uh, ventriloquism. You're a ventriloquist, aren't you? Yes, I am. And I will tell you right off the bat, it took me 30 years that's three zero years to get good at ventriloquism. So, but I only started in my forties. So uh, oh, there, you still have time. And the truth is, every ventriloquist works out their own way. There are books that I found sometimes misleading. Someone would say, like, you make an M with a soft palate in the back of your mouth, which is almost impossible to do. And it's really—I'll tell you the secret. I will tell you the secret. What you do is you use your your tongue. And the roof of your mouth have to take the place of your lips on all those hard labial explosives. And that is what takes you a long time to learn to keep your tongue very soft, if you want to say a B sound, and make it a little, a little harder for a mm -hmm. P sound. So it's just practice. After that, it's just practice. Okay, stop right there. New term. Don't know what it means. Labial explosive. Well, can you please explain to me? What is a labial explosive? A labial explosive is any letter that uses your mm -hmm. lips like B, P, W, let's see, A, B, C, D, B, D, E, F, F, F uses your teeth and your and your lips. F G H I J K L M N O P Q R S T U V. Again, V is very much like an F. Um, <clears throat> w, X, Y, Z. So W uses your lips too. Now I can give you one. The first one I learned is that if you put your, if you're trying to say an F. F, okay. 
without your <clears throat> lips. And if you put your tongue in the place where you make a th sound, so you say fat, you're a fat, you're a fat frog, a fat frog, a fat, okay, fat, frog. Your your tongue in the place where you make a th can make that f sound. Um, I become very aware now of, of things that people misunderstand on the on the telephone when they get the wrong letters because because mm-hmm. the sounds are similar. So that's one way. The, the uh, B's and P's are really hard because if, if you say B to yourself, notice how your lips are B and then say P P pursing B, yeah, B B P mm-hmm. is harder mm-hmm. B is softer. So your tongue has to be softer for a B. The, mm-hmm. I, I can't. Sometimes I can do it really well. I just, the other thing though, is that very often we do not speak English like this, saying every letter. So because English speakers slur so much, you can avoid a B if it's at the beginning of a word and everybody knows it's B. Like, I'll give me a home with a buffalo home. Now you heard buffalo, you know, that's buffalo. Mm -hmm. I hardly had to Mm -hmm. even try to say a B. So that's a, that's another aspect of it that you avoid them when you can, but realize they don't have to be extremely clear if it's if people know what's coming wow okay that is very um technical and cool yeah it's totally cool yeah i have a hard enough time just having people understand what i'm saying like with my mouth open um (laughs) just in general so oh yeah yeah i've been to your uh website which is what's your website it is www, of course, sillygooseandval.com. The and is spelled out because the internet does not like appersands, A-N-D. Uh, silly Goose and Val. And Silly Goose is my main puppet friend. Uh-huh. She's sitting here next to me, hanging around. And yes, I, I, uh, I forgot the question. Well, I, 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 the question was, what was your website? Because I've, I've been to your website and I've been on YouTube and I've seen some of your performances and they're fascinating. I mean, it's amazing. I was sitting with my kids and uh, watching it. And it's like, she's really good. Like, oh, that's, that's, that's amazing. Well, thank you. Well, no, you don't get that kind of feedback. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's one of those things. And I think that's what's intimidating about it, which is, for me is that if you're not, it's like magic tricks. If you're not very good and they can, they can see the wires, as it were, you know, uh, I wouldn't want to do it. I, w- I wouldn't feel comfortable doing it on stage or, you know, in front of kids. Unless, I, unless specifically it was like, oh, they can see my lips move and that's part of the gag, you know. But for you, it was like, holy cow, this is really, you're, you're very talented, very gifted. Thank you. And I, again, I'll say really in the past five, seven years, I've gotten very good. I look at old videos and I go crazy. And I will not put up a video if I see my mouth move. And every once in a while, if I'm not really concentrating, especially if I'm not in stage, if I'm doing a video in my basement, I tend to be a little looser because there's so many things you're thinking about at one time. If I'm performing, I'm just thinking about Silly Goose and she's talking and and it becomes easier. But anyway, uh, yeah, after 30 years, your brain is definitely divided into two people. Or Mm -hmm. if you're, what's his name, Jeff Dunham, four people. I mean, he does four conversations at a time, which blows my mind. But in my mind, Silly Goose really does have a separate part of my brain, and she can surprise me by what she says. Mm. Wow. That's kind of creepy, but cool, but kind of creepy. You don't need to be a ventriloquist to be a good puppeteer, though. Please take a look at Joshua Holden. Joshua Holden, you may know him. He's in New York. Uh, he was, he's a wonderful puppeteer. He was the wrangler at the um, Avenue Q. He was the, the one who took care of the puppets or one of the people who did that for a while. 
fantastic puppeteer who is not a ventriloquist at all. He just has this ugly sock puppet, Mr. I can never remember his name. He's so adorable. And Joshua talks and the puppet talks and Joshua's mouth is moving, but you are totally, totally captured by his uh, uh, storytelling and, and his ability to make that puppet come alive. And oh, you just feel so sorry for this puppet who's the saddest thing ever. It just, it's lovely. So anyway, you don't have to be a ventriloquist to use a puppet. You just have to, you just have to believe that your puppet is alive. So how did you get into this? What was the first step for you to, because you're also a musician, you've, you've uh, released several albums and you're accomplished on that side as well. But what, what drew you to uh, ventrilo ventriloquism specifically? I'm sorry. <laughs> Easy for you to say. Um, <laughs> it's really a very funny story. Um, we started off, I started off as a musician. I started off way long ago in the 70s when I graduated from college. I went to Berkeley College of Music for a year and I was going to be a jazz pianist, flutist, vocalist. And after spending a year there, and remember, you don't remember probably 1972, you may not have been alive then, but that was like the summer of love was 68. The the hippie thing was huge. The, the war was, I can't remember if it had ended or not, but it was a very tumultuous time. And I realized that I was going to be dead in about two years if I stayed in the music business. There were the drugs, the bars, staying up late at night. It was just, I just thought, wow, this is not the life for me. So this is a long way around to how ventriloquism started. I went back home. And I tried a number of, oh no, I didn't, I stayed in Boston. I tried a zillion, well, no, 10 different majors. Like a, I was going to get a master's in English. I was going to be a graphic artist. I was going to be an environmental engineer until I found out that environmental engineers deal with poop. Basically, they move sewage. <laughs> Sanitation. There you go. That's, That's right. your environment. It sounded really good because the first Earth Day was... April 20th or 21st, 1971. So that's, I was in the right time. So one day I'm talking to my sister on the phone and she says, and this is how much thought went into it. She says, why don't you become an environmental lawyer? And I went, okay, that's, that's how the decision was made. Came back to Baltimore and this is going to slay people. I went to, I took the test that you take to go to law school. No pressure. If I did well, I'd go. If I didn't, I wouldn't go. I did well. And my law school tuition was $600 a year. Ow. $600. Wow. It is now $30,000. Oh, yeah. 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 So I went at a time when people weren't doing it. And I loved it. I loved it. I loved law school. Crazy, insane woman. Um, and so I became a lawyer. And I, I practiced law and, and did that. And then I met my husband in court. He was a magistrate. And I was a lawyer. And then we had children. And then... I found children's music and it was like, wow, everything I love about music, none of what I hate, no bars, no cigarettes, no, no late nights, no drugs. It's just marvelous. So I did that. And one time, okay, we had a little TV show in town. We were, I was working with a woman, Pam Minor, who is now the Kindersinger. We were Val and Pam Kindersingers. We were at a, a, uh, uh, what do you call it? A, a um, night, not a nightclub, a country club, a country club in Bethesda. So, you can imagine the crowd. It's Halloween. There's like 600 parents and kids packed into this room. Two boys in the front row start a fist fight. I mean, bah, bam, right in the jaw. So I've been performing long enough. You can't, I know you can't frown in front of an audience. You can't correct a child. So I turned off my mic. I leaned down and kept my mouth 
very still. I pasted a smile on my mouth and said, if you do that again, I will call the police. <laughs> and and then, <laughs> you couldn't do that today. But anyway, they stopped. That, that cured that problem. I went back. And after the show, I looked at Pam Miner, who I used to sing with, and said, you know, I could be a ventriloquist. <laughs> and that's seriously how it started. <laughs> okay so uh, a couple thugs you know brawling in the front and next thing you know and next thing you know silly goose and i don't remember how i remember going to the the joanne fabrics and looking for a pattern that i could make into a a puppet and i found this goose that i loved and i loved of course um sherry lewis and lamb chop where i grew up on those Mm -hmm. and i wanted a soft mouth puppet so i found this goose pattern and i took an orange sock and i made her mouth and that was how silly goose was born oh that's awesome that's a that's a that's a perfect story to the arc to get to to where you are but when you so when you decide to become the ventriloquist and this is the part that i always kind of get confused about and you're also a performer singing how do you transition between the two? I know some, I've seen some folks say like they open up the suitcase and it's like, oh, who do we have here today? And that sort of thing. Do you, um, because I, from what I can see from your performances, you know, Silly Goose is such a large presence on stage, such a co-performer. How do you, how do you bring in that character and how do you remove that character and how does that affect kids? Ah, well, first of all, just as a, from a health point of view, um, you, you usually don't see a ventriloquist do more than, 10, 15 minutes at a time. I mean, I don't think I've ever seen one do a 40-minute show, although maybe they do. I don't because I hurt my jaw once doing that, doing too much because you are keeping your jaws still while you're working your tongue and everything else. It could be you end up with TMJ, or I did anyway. I was going to the dentist for six months, and six months in, she said, what do you do for a living? I said, I'm a ventriloquist. She said, duh. Wow. <laughs> turns out I had just been holding my jaw in a strange way. I'm just, So... Silly Goose comes in. Uh, I start the program usually with a, always an introductory song. Hello, how do you do? Shaking hands. Although I don't shake hands anymore because we we spread germs that way, don't we? So we wave to the audience and I look them in the eye. And then Silly Goose interrupts me. She says, ah, ah, I want to sing. I go, no, 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 Silly Goose. You are third in line. You have to wait your turn. Okay. So today we're going to dance. And, no, no, please, 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 please. No, Silly Goose, you're not supposed to interrupt. Just Wait, wait, okay. So now, no, please, 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 please. And then I say, okay, well, she she said, please, she really wants to come out. So I go and get her from behind something and bring her out. And she decides she's going to sing. Um, and she mangles anything she does try to sing usually. <laughs> uh, and so I get her out. And then at the end of the first song, I have her, she holds a note forever. She, she does a terrible job of Itsy Bitsy Spider. And finally, everybody has to sing it to her. But she's going, you know, she's holding the and she keeps the and I hold her mouth and she keeps singing, she keeps singing. So I put her back behind the stage and I do a song or two without her. And then I'll bring out another animal who, um, Sometimes I have some snakes. I have I have Thaddeus L snake, and I have Willie the worm, and who else do I have? Oh, I have Rufus the reluctant dragon. Hmm. So they come out just like every other mm-hmm. song, or you know, two songs in between, and then a ventriloquist piece. And that sort of and that's how you can progress through the show. And did you develop all of these characters at the same time? 
are you bringing uh, new ones out, you know, each season? Do you think about it that way? Or how do you go um, in your fruit? And I'm thinking about the creative process. How do you go about developing these characters and what do they what do they bring? How do you identify what they can offer to your audience and also to you as a performer? I guess if I were smart, I would create a new show every year, but I've never done that. I work very much by just pure inspiration. Rufus, I don't know how. I don't know how that came up. I I don't know, but I, Rufus, the reluctant dragon, I just had the idea of this dragon who was very shy. He was mm-hmm. shy because he couldn't breathe fire when everyone else could. And, um, and he he was scared to death of children. And I guess my thinking there was I wanted to do a song for children who might be afraid of the things lurking in their closets. But if they find out that Rufus is more afraid, that the last verse is, so if you see a dragon playing in your room tonight, please be careful not to scare him or he'll run from sight. And then he, you know, he runs because... I'm Rufus, the reluctant dragon. <laughs> and he hides from them. So that just came. Mm-hmm. It came. I mean, I can't really say where from. Thaddeus L. Snake is another shaman. He's, he's, he comes out and he says, I'm Thad. And I go, of course, you're, yes, Thaddeus L. Snake. No, 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 I'm Thad. Yeah, Thaddeus. No, I'm unhappy. <laughs> oh, you're unhappy. Why? Because I do not have... A hiss. A what? A hiss. You don't have a hiss? Oh, you don't have a hiss. So he's he finds out that, you know, he's sad about not having a hiss, but it turns out to be a very good thing to be a snake without a hiss if you like children and chippy monks and little squirrels, mm-hmm. because then you don't scare them. So that just came. And that actually came. I built, I had a head. I went to a puppet making workshop and built this head and I loved the head. And I decorated it, and I didn't know what it was. And I said, oh, it's a snake. So I made the body to go on the head. Oh, he's just lovely. Do you ever have any that don't work out for you? Like that well, you run them out and you, you create the backstory and, the, and develop the voice and, and the place in the show, and then you're like, uh, you get out there, and after maybe a few performances, you're like, well, this just isn't working. Yeah, yeah. I have, I have one. <laughs> this Chanty Cat speaks French, and she was created <laughs> uh-huh. because I went to Brussels to do a show and left Silly Goose at home. <laughs> oh, boy. I bet that was an interesting plane flight. Like, you're oh, like, was, wait a minute, wait a minute. I didn't realize. Well, was, my daughter lived there, so it was like an incidental thing. And I didn't realize I didn't have her until like a day before the show. <sighs> so I went out to a wonderful toy store there, and I bought this cat. And it's a fabulous-looking stuffed animal. And I tore out its mouth, and I took one of my grandson's socks, and I made a mouth, and I stuck that in there, and I sewed the whole thing up. And she really is adorable. But she has several faults. One, being a stuffed animal, she's very hot and heavy. Mm. And she's not heavy. She just It's very hard to, to use her. And two, I, well, of course, it's somebody else's character. So I didn't, I kept thinking, well, I can't really take her on stage. That's someone else's, you know, property. But she is lovely. She's very cute. But I, I tried her a few times and just, no, nah, didn't, just as helpful as she was to me in Brussels. Um, it didn't work. She just here. didn't stick. Yeah. Uh, there's a there's a couple aspects of this that I find very um, interesting, and maybe they're more uh, unique to what you do because of the intimacy of the performance that you give. Because for my band, we play stages mostly. We get we'll do library shows and we'll do small performances in small venues, 
with acoustic instruments and be really intimate with the kids right down on the floor with them and that sort of thing. But for the most part, we're behind mics up on stage, PA speakers, that sort of thing. And crowd control can be one of the big challenges of being a children's performer, keeping a safe distance from the kids, not only to keep them safe, but to make sure that you can you know, you can do your job, you can perform, and to keep the flow of the show going. And the good news is, or the part of the fun for me, is that when some, you know, when some little person decides to come on stage and, you know, they can be kind of, that can be fun and you can interact with them, but then try and get them back. For you, (laughs) I know whenever you pull out a, a, a puppet or a stuffed animal, children's natural inclination is to walk up to it, to want to touch it, to want to interact with it. What do you do as a performer as far as crowd control, both during performances where you, where you can control your space and also in those spaces which you can't, when you, when you can't actually control your, your space as well? I've never found it a problem in a big venue on a stage with an audience of four or 500. And I think the reason is the children in the audience will act like an audience. They, they'll do what other people around them do. And so they tend to stay put. I've, I don't think I've ever had one come up on stage uninvited in a big theater. How, but in libraries or smaller venues, when libraries especially or any school, I carry with me painter's tape and I put a little blue line around my performance area and I let them know that's your space. This is my space because I don't want to step on you. I'm kind of big and clumsy and I might hurt you. And so the children, especially all children, they know that line. You know, there, there's that visible line on the floor. They don't cross over it. Every once in a while, you might get one, but that hasn't happened to me for years. Mm. Um, Mm -hmm. But this also reminds me that there is, there, uh, one of the things I want to mention, there's two ways to go about uh, your career. And one is you want to have a national career and be on Sirius XM, Kids Place Live, and that's that's one goal. The other, if you're like me, in the hills of Maryland up here, a, a local career where you go to your libraries or maybe the the neighboring states and maybe you branch out more, but it is an extremely satisfying way to go. And, and there are, there, there, I think there are two different career paths. One is performing, I guess, and sort of teaching too. you, you have that, as you said, that intimacy with the children you see. And the other is, you know, the the bigger, larger, you you know, you, you want to make money or you want to be famous, whatever that reason is. Um, But you need to be clear about what you want to do, I think. Holy cow, right there. Pearls of wisdom. I did not expect that during this interview with Val. And it was one of those like mic drops. Hold on, mic drops. That was a very heavy mic. (laughs) There's a much heavier mic than I expected. Uh, Mic drops are funny unless you're the person actually purchasing the mics. Anyway, yeah, two paths that you could take. You can be local or you can try and do the national thing. No judgment either way, but do what you do best. And Hey, speaking of which, how about what Val does best? Here's a song called Springtime Dance by Val Spalkin. Spring is coming and the bees are humming and the birds are singing in the trees. Frogs are peeping, waking up from sleeping, pollywogs are growing feet and knees. 
Worms are squirming as the earth they're turning, turning up the soil for the plants. Birds are nesting, not a one is resting, getting ready for that springtime dance. Springtime dance for the spring in your step. Step to the right and step to the left. Springtime dance like a bird on the wing. Shake, shake, shake your tail featherings. Springtime dance for the spring in your step. Step to the right and step to the left. Springtime dance like a bird on the wing. Shake, shake, shake your tail featherings. Shake, shake, shake your tail featherings. Shake, shake, shake your tail featherings. Daffodown dilly looking down right silly Wearing yellow hats in the bright sunshine Groundhogs creeping in my garden Sneaking, eating every single flower of mine Bitter, bitter, patter, raindrops splatter Down on the flowers, squirrels and all Robin Redbreast is so well dressed Listening for worms at the springtime ball Springtime dance, put a spring in your step Step to the right and step to the left Springtime dance like a bird in the wind Shake, shake, shake your tail featherings Springtime dance, put a spring in your step Step to the right and step to the left Springtime dance like a bird in the wind Shake, 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 shake your tail featherings Shake, shake, shake your tail featherings Shake, shake, shake your tail featherings It is hard to cross over, and uh, for for me, the kind of music that I write lends itself to full band rock yeah. show type material, and I can always scale it down to the acoustic. It's not my strength. Mm-hmm. Um, it could be if I spent more time working on it, but it takes so much time and energy to do the stage show that uh, I don't. You know, there's only you know only so much electricity in the battery during the day. Right. And in, in today's music world, if you've got a band, awesome, stick to it, go with it. That's the, you know, that's, I should think, I mean, I'm big on collaboration. I should think that's would be an awful lot of fun. I just never found many people in Moncton, Maryland, who <laughs> were interested in forming a children's band. <laughs> so thus ends a wonderful conversation with Val Smulkin about, here we go. I'm going to get it right. Ventriloquism. The Art of Ventriloquism. We didn't talk about throwing your voice. I don't know how to do that. I don't know if that's part of it or not. But as far as an, a quick overview, if it's something that you're interested in, there are resources, and here's one of them. We're going to have Val back in the barn to talk about the Children's Music Network in, uh, in not very long, because I actually recorded that conversation with her when I recorded this one. <laughs> so I just have to edit it and post it. But it's, uh, it's a good conversation about resources with that, but totally cool. Ventriloquism. Thank you so much, Val, for sharing your tips, your tricks, your wisdom, your wit, and uh, teaching us about labial explosives. Explosives? Sounds much more dangerous than I think it should. Oh, look, there's the theme song. Okay, I'm going to get it right this time. This is Cowboy Andy signing off from Barn Banter. Please go to my website and like me and like podcast. And oh my God, it's so loud! What are you talking about? What are you... Oh, sorry, that's Silly Goose. I want to get in here. Shh, Silly Goose is not your turn. I want to talk. No. Yes. No. Yeah. No. Stop. We love to be in our beds at night. Tall or small, boy or girl. Brown, pink or black or white. Ho, ho, ho. Let's sing a song about how we're all the same. How we all like snacks and cuddles. We all like playing games. We all like to be hugged and loved. Our dinner beds at night. Tall or small, boy or girl. Bye.
playing games. We all like to be hugged and loved, tucked in our beds at night. 